You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Welcome back. This is episode 15 of Hashtag Gen Z, and we're diving into the topic of digital leadership. As we've learned more about Generation Z as leaders and who they look to as leaders, so much is influenced by the online world. As leaders themselves, Gen Z wants to be able to practice action-oriented leadership and make efforts towards a goal. This is something that can be done on an individual basis, and especially in an online setting. This may be connecting with people or sharing information about a cause they care about or contributing to a project. When looking at leaders they admire, Gen Z looks to people closest to home as their role models, such as family members and peers, people who they can truly build authentic and human relationships with. Sure, Generation Z can follow celebrities and public figures, but the people who influence their values and decisions are closest to home. And while Gen Z looks up to these people who are closest to home, Gen Z's viewpoint on the world, how they build relationships, how they take in information, how they navigate the world, and how they contribute to causes they care about is often so heavily influenced by digital technology and the online spaces we inhabit. So I had to bring in an expert on digital leadership and how we lead online to discuss this a bit more. Dr. Josie Alquist is a digital leadership educator discovering the intersection of digital communication technologies and leadership development. She believes in challenging how we think about social media for community building and leadership intactment. After 12 years working on college campuses, Josie went rogue from traditional higher education roles and is an independent speaker, researcher, author, and coach on digital engagement and leadership. She also holds a role at Florida State University as a research associate and online instructor. Dr. Alquist backs up her content with her own grant-funded and award-winning research. Her research agenda focuses on teens and young adults' digital experiences, senior executives' online leadership practices, and leadership development pedagogy. She's extensively published, including the Handbook of Student Affairs Administration Textbook, the second edition of Contested Issues in Student Affairs, and serves as the co-editor and author in Engaging the Digital Generation, as well as co-editor and author of Going Digital in Student Leadership. Josie's first book is set to release in the fall of 2019 on digital leadership in higher education. For the fourth year in a row, she's been named to the top 50 must-read higher education technology blogs by EdTech Magazine, and her podcast, Josie and the Podcast, was featured by Inside Higher Ed and the Chronicle of Higher Education. You can find her blogging and podcasting at www.josiealquist.com. I'm so excited for today's episode and my guest, Dr. Josie Alquist, a friend, collaborator, and wonderful supporter. We're so lucky to be able to connect um, in online spaces, but also in in person every now and then. And it's such a re-energizing experience for me to be able to, to hang out with her and learn from her. She's an absolute expert in this very interesting concept of digital leadership. And I would love to turn it over to her to share a little bit more about what she does. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am 
streaming in from Los Angeles, California. I also do work by coastal with Florida State University, um, but that is all online where I develop curriculum and I research about the student experience related to digital and leadership. And in between all that, I go and speak at campuses and conferences and help support university social media strategy, as well as the social media presence of campus executives. And I'm so excited to be here. I'm a big fan of Megan. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, and this podcast actually would not have come to life without you. So big thank you again for all of your insight. Josie's an incredible podcaster herself and was really helpful in kind of giving me the push and the confidence into to getting into this this wacky world of podcasting. I had totally forgot that we had did that. I think I almost scared you away from it. I'm like, are you sure you <laughs> yes. want to do that? I don't know if you scared me, but away from it, but you definitely gave me some more things to think about. That yeah. was for certain. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm, as you know, now a serial podcaster and just love it as a hobby, as a fun way to research and connect with people and share stories. But let's talk about digital leadership because I think there's this really interesting intersection with leadership and Generation Z something you know I know a little bit about, something you know a little bit about. Um, but really, I think some of my listeners might not be fully aware of what digital leadership is. So could you give us a little primer on the concept? Well, it's a very new concept and honestly very emerging and figuring out really how one might define that. And I try not to give a cookie cutter definition, but rather examples and skills and almost a new way of seeing the world and social media. It started for me trying to connect the dots of what I'm seeing leaders do in you know 2019 and how that shows up on social. And if we can find some connections because I've spent a lot of my career doing leadership development, making people come to really know themselves, their values, um, how they want to show up in the world. And that started before social did. And now when we have um, social technologies or even you could, you could clump email and text messaging into this, how do we show up as people? How do we navigate these tools through the lens of leadership? Um, and so my research began by trying to answer some of those questions and some best practices and then even curriculum that could help guide especially young adults like Gen Z. How do you go about measuring and studying it? So I began researching about digital leadership during my program to get my doctorate at California Lutheran. You have to do this thing called a dissertation. And I became really interested in college students and how they were navigating social media. And I wanted to see if there was a lens of leadership that they were already approaching social media with. Um, if there was a theory that already existed that I could help apply. And then hopefully I could find some curriculum to fill in the gaps to help students, whether they identify as leaders or not, to approach social media um, so what I did was I found about 40 students at two different institutions and 
Um, we did focus groups throughout the year and I followed them on Facebook and Instagram. And what some people would call that I stalked them, um, this was for institutional research. So it was completely kosher. And because I wanted to see what they were posting, not just to at all judge them or like comment at all. Um, I wanted to see what they were telling me in the focus groups, how they were using and seeing social, if that connected to what they were actually doing online. And so we got to have some really interesting conversations there. So that's, we'll see, that was like 2014. And that has evolved now to curriculum that I built at Florida State. So I continue to do research there um, to unpack what how students are showing up on social, maybe through the lens of what's called emotional intelligent leadership. We've used um, the research to unpack that. And then I also do research on campus executives. So like a president, a provost, a vice president. I've been studying the past four years how they are showing up as leaders and some um, purpose-driven practices that I find that they are displaying um, in those positions. So your research is definitely started from this, this student lens of how students are using the internet and social media specifically in engaging in leadership. So as you know, I do a little bit of peering into the lives of mm-hmm. Gen Z as well. And those are college students today. And so I'd be curious to hear from your perspective what effective digital leadership looks like for Generation Z. Well, I don't think we're at a place where I could say like these exact practices and this is how you post and this is how you show up. I'm not sure if I'd ever want to get to that place because I find especially uh, the approach to leadership and social media are quite personal. And if I was to say these are the exact same things that you should do, um, it really wouldn't probably feel like it resonates or that it's authentic. And especially in social media, if you follow certain uh, celebrities or even brands, you can tell the ones that feel like it's legit, that it's like, does it's literally not a robot behind the account. And same with a leader that you meet in person. I think what I'm trying to teach with leadership and with digital is some of the core skills and capacities that a lot of leadership education tries to um, bring to life. And that is how can you really, really figure out who you are, what's important to you, your values, um, your, your mission, and how can you connect and make that congruent with how you show up on social media? Or if there are some inequities, because there are, right, in our society, in how we can show up um, based upon our identities. and But that is even important to bring to life as you unpack your identity um, and your ways of being um, in leadership. I think that you're definitely spot on in the uh, young people I've talked with about what matters in social media and what matters in communication, that authenticity and being really true to who you are, being a human, owning being a human, all the elements of being a human, the silliness, the the wrongdoings, the mistakes um, is, is a huge piece of that. And I think that digital leadership, and you brought up businesses, uh, those who are trying to engage in digital, digital leadership with Gen Z, I think are going to need to take a lot of notes mm-hmm. specifically on that of like, how do we, as much as our lives are facilitated through technology these days, what can we be doing to 
facilitate these human interactions, which sounds so interesting and, and, and different because we're so distant, but we're trying to facilitate that human experience across that distance. I'm I'm really intrigued to see how your work and my work continues to intersect because my next question is going to be, um, how have you seen Gen Z engage in digital leadership? I wonder if we peer into the same mm. the same accounts and the same lives because um, I definitely have my observations of it, but I would love to hear from, from your perspective. Well, just going back to kind of that last topic is it's the connecting and with businesses and what are kind of executive leaders right now. I'm trying to bridge that gap. I sometimes feel like I'm the, like the interpreter of what I'm seeing done on social, especially with young adults, or if you call them Gen Z or millennials. Um, so they understand and they also are able to approach a tool like Instagram and not be both awkward, but also show up as like inauthentic. It's it's almost like a different language to get a university president to understand why you would do certain thing in Instagram stories that just isn't even in their vernacular. So some of it's skill and then some of it also is getting them to like loosen up and not take themselves so seriously if they want to be in those spaces and actually be well received. Um so anyway, and I think the the other piece too, the reason why I do what I do is a huge discovery I had in my research was the message that I was getting loud and clear from the students in my study was they grew up with a lot of shame and scare tactics about what they shouldn't be doing on social, um, what to worry about the outcomes that would come of it if they posted XYZ, but they were never given this potential pathway to possibilities because if it wasn't for blogging and Twitter for me, I would not be where I am today. Does everybody need to use these tools to build a business and be a speaker? No. But if we're only giving the one narrative that if you post this thing, you're going to ruin your life, then I feel like we're kind of setting up a lot of ourselves for anxiety. (laughs) Um, So I try to balance the scales. Like, sure, we've got these facts of what these tools can and can't be, but Uh, I've gotten excited from my research with with young adults is that was the biggest piece that was missing for them is what can be possible um, with a tool to still take care of myself, but maybe use it in a way that aligns with what I want to do in my life. I think that's a, a really important message as well to think. I know that even as a millennial, like they were like, you have to be careful what you put online because it's going to haunt you forever. Well, I mean, we see it all the time of things that were not put online that come back years and years later um, to, to, to quote unquote haunt people, but see, people seem to move past it. I think it's really interesting of the the way that we think about like the personal record. Mm-hmm. Like I know that like when I was in like school, I'd be like, oh, you have to be careful. It's going to go on your personal or it's going to go on your permanent record forever. Um, in some ways, social media can be that, that permanent record, but you can also tailor that permanent record, which I think is really, really interesting in creating kind of this footprint yeah. online um, or ma- manicuring a footprint well, online, if you will, because you can go back and change it's something. It's not just social either. It's your text messages. It's your emails. It's your conversation that you had at the mall that you didn't realize 
somebody was like recording, right? I mean, it's, we live in an interesting mm-hmm. society where everything could be open sourced. And what I actually kind of love about it, if we apply a lens of leadership, it is forcing us to live in congruency at all times. That even we have po- politicians that are being called out on stuff they did back in college decades and decades ago when there wasn't social, right? Like, I think this is coming to the same point in time when a lot of other um, injustices are being called upon. Um, and I think, unfortunately, Gen Z has got the the barren of fear to this because I, I, some adults and teachers just don't know how else to get it communicated. What I think Gen Z is doing really well, though, is even though they're not getting a lot of empowerment education, they're figuring it out and they're being pioneers on their own. And and that's what my research found was that their most powerful teachers were themselves and their peers. And sometimes maybe there was a parent involved, but they were figuring it out on, on their own. Um, So they're kind of setting these new like terms and conditions as, as they went along. But that does mean that if, if the standard or if this um, movement is happening amongst your peers, that also means as embracing the idea of digital leadership is that you need to potentially take on ownership of these spaces. So when you see something that isn't in your ethics or in your in your moral character, or you really are worried about somebody, you can't just like passively let it happen. You have to be an active participant um, to what I call take back these tools to make them work for you. Um, And for me, the most basic of digital leadership is just calling yourself that, that I'm going to show up on Facebook knowing I can be a leader in this space, even if it's only five people that follow me, or I'm just going to be a leader within my family or my student group. Um, Because people may already actually look to you in that lens and you may not realize it. The way that you post on Instagram may actually be influencing those that connect with you, both good and bad. And so it's having that reflection of, based on how I'm using these tools, Am I making my mark? Am I making this world a little bit better of a place or am I helping or just kind of having that bigger impact question and not just the, do I look good? I'm sure you look good, but (laughs) what's the deeper rationale behind it? I, and I love that active presence, I guess, of uh, kind of what I'm summarizing of you saying is almost like how do, what do you contribute to through your social media presence, I think something, and I didn't mean to take the conversation down this path, but something that I've really focused on is being a positive light to people online and sending the direct message to the person. um, Maybe that I haven't talked to in a while just to say like, Hey, I've been following what you've been doing and you're doing a great job. Um, And being a positive, a source of positivity, because I think it's such a, it can be such a dark and critical and negative space sometimes. Um, And yeah. And I just, how do you, I think that that's, if I reflect on my own practice of like, what is a way that I try to contribute in an online place? It's, it's being a cheerleader for people Mm. and building people up. If I don't necessarily agree with them, it's kind of like that, that old phrase of like, my mama taught me, don't say anything if you don't have anything nice to say. And I, if I don't agree, I just don't say anything. But how do I think the next level of this is how do we work through when we don't agree with people saying something civilly? Mm. 
And I don't know if you have an answer to that, but I've been really curious about this. I went to a session at a conference recently and we, we talked about digital citizenship mm-hmm. and that's that kind of role that we all play online of being good community members and what that, what that actually looks like is, is something that I think Gen Z is going to not only grapple with as they get older, but be critical definers in that space of what digital citizenship actually looks like. And I think there's an interesting intersection with digital leadership as the the two and two go together. Absolutely. I think this is also coming from a girl that grew up in a family where we we don't do conflict. Like as a society, we aren't the greatest at having conflict resolution skills. So when you put those same scenarios out into digital spaces that aren't just happening in our homes or our workplaces, it's happening for millions of people to see. That's a crazy equation to be in, right? And I haven't personally experienced that where I've got trolls or all of a sudden like stuff being picked up about me. There's an entire book written about this called You've Been Publicly Shamed. And there's, it's actually interesting. It's a lot of millennial and Gen Z women that especially are picked up on for some reason in the media when they make a misstep on social and it really does change their course, right? Something that I'm recently trying to encourage, because even college presidents are scared of this, they, they, and they see the brunt of it. Uh, and as you move up into your fields, whatever position title that is, you will see disgruntled employees or community members or, or whatnot. And, and that can really um, start to like impact you like there's an emotional response and we see something even if it's not to our face and it goes back to the same topic of authenticity and Megan I loved your example about how you know you go into maybe dms and you message and you cheerlead because that's how you are in real life right and that's what I would encourage everyone to do too is like what are those things that you already do it just comes so naturally to you that you could actually be doing in digital spaces in a positive light And so to take this example into conflict is what would you do? Let's say if you do misspeak, I think this is a huge skill that some of our um, politicians need to learn (laughs) potentially is that maybe you do say something that wasn't true or that you need to correct. Um, Saying, I am sorry, um, listening, offering the option to maybe this conversation is actually better jumped on a phone call because these tools, they're not perfect. Some things can't play out in this huge array of back and forths. So two two parts to that answer is what would you do if that happened face-to-face in at least the most basic of your human response without the, the jolt of emotion? Because on social, we don't have any... We don't, we don't have to turn the switch on or off. It could just, you know, we're just like immediately reacting. The second piece is know your limits of when you need to take this out of a digital space. Um, and, and some of that might need to sit with a minute to actually think about it. But my research, the college students I studied, this was a big thing that they worried about too, that they didn't feel like they had figured out. Um, but they were very worried if and when it would ever happen. Um, and they also kind of um, 
reflected about how they saw their own family members getting into conflicts or doing behavior on social media that they didn't aspire to do. So that was the other piece of um, digital leadership is this concept of role modeling. That doesn't mean you have to be a an executive to do this. We can start to role model even really simple behaviors on social media amongst ourselves as peers, as friends, if we aren't finding some of those behaviors in people that on paper should be serving those qualities, but aren't. That is, it's really interesting that this was like a concern as well, but I'm also seeing the kind of the intersection of how much, how much overlap there is in the social etiquette that takes place both in person and online. And sometimes we forget in the online capacity that we just have to revert back to how we used to always talk to each other. That if we got in a fight with our friend, we didn't just sit and text about it. We like needed to go have a face-to-face conversation and kind of comes full circle of we have to default back to, again, bringing in the human element of communication and connection. So I think that's really interesting. And you've started to kind of give a few you know tips for people that are, you know, engaging in digital leadership, but specifically, um, what are some of the Dr. Josie Alquist uh, strategies and tips without giving away, you know, all of your wealth of knowledge, um, some quick tips Mm -hmm. that those who want to engage Gen Z or those who want to um, engage in effective digital leadership, what might that look like? So maybe two or three things that anyone can practice and start focusing on. Um, I think the first thing I would suggest is for you to take on and embrace your role as a researcher to see what this concept of digital leadership means to you and what you're currently seeing. So instead of just maybe assuming, oh, a digital influencer or leader is based upon how many followers you have, or if you're a celebrity, I mean, because if we looked at based on followership, then we would define someone like Kim Kardashian or Justin Bieber to like have figured it out. And what I would encourage you to do is think about your first, second, third job that you want, or like, what are you attaining for down the line? Who's currently in those positions or um, the lifestyle that you hope to have, who currently has that and try to find them on social and see how they're using social media. And you get to be the interpreter of what skills and qualities and tactics are they doing that feel um, of interest or aligned with you and and try them on. That's the interesting part is um, we can show up on Instagram and and try a few tactics or, or connect with a few folks. And then we get to kind of feel out our skin to be like, how does this feel to me? Um, so it helps if you have some others that are already maybe forging in this area that you could see. So even like, so for example, if you want to be a dentist, if you look at the, the industry of dentistry, like, let's say you want to have your own practice, you're actually going to have to take on marketing skills and showing up on social in a way that you may have not have been taught in some of your, you know, like courses. So follow some dentists. If you want to be a lawyer, same thing. How do you find some really engaging, emerging lawyers showing up in different digital spaces? So be inspired by the industry, by the the lifestyles, the hobbies of those that you aspire to, and not just, you know, like 
I might live in Los Angeles and Hollywood, but just because they have the most followers doesn't necessarily mean that's defined as the most influential and the, um, the way I would define um, leadership. Um, I also would turn a switch on in what I call digital wellness, which fuels digital leadership. Our wellness and how we feel and how we take care of ourselves there has definitely been studies of how social and mobile can impact that, both good and bad. And all I want you to do is turn up the volume of how you feel on different platforms. So I know when I go to Pinterest, I feel a whole lot different than when I go to Twitter. Because on Pinterest, I'm looking at quotes and puppies and recipes that I probably will still mess up. But I am fueling positive emotions. And sometimes on Twitter, I might not feel that same way. And that's okay. But at least I know when I go onto Twitter, I might see and experience something different. But if that platform becomes so problematic for me that it's affecting maybe way other parts of me, then I might need to be my own um barometer in saying, gosh, I maybe, maybe I shouldn't go to Twitter today. Like, let's just see how that feels. <laughs> I'm, I might feel a little anxiety. Okay. That's interesting. I feel anxiety when I don't go to Twitter. I wonder why that is. Well, for me, I don't have FOMO, but I'm a curious person. Okay. I want to know what's going on. And um, I think turning the switch on how you feel on these different platforms gives you more ownership because you might find you're going to platforms to maybe fuel positive emotions that actually aren't giving you that, or they might be, and you don't even realize it. And then you can rationalize why you would use a platform a certain way or not. Really, I've never actually sat down and thought about how I feel about using each platform and beyond just like the utility typically, or like, it's like, you know, right in your face, what Twitter's for, what Instagram's for, what are all these different platforms for? I've never really reflected on how they, for the most part, make me feel. And I've definitely had friends who have said, you know, I'm no longer going to use XYZ platform. And I was like, but why? That's where we talk. Um, and I didn't even, I didn't even mm. consider what really was the motivation behind it. Um, I just thought they were like trying to be cool. Um, but I, I think it's a matter of like, maybe I need to sit and reflect and just be like, how do I feel on each of these platforms? Because when I use Pinterest, I am like, wow, I've redesigned my entire home. Who's going to finance that? So, because <laughs> I am not going to, but it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Like, I feel like I have a creative surge when I'm on Pinterest, but then um, there are times when I get on Twitter specifically at certain times during certain like societal events, because I want to know what the public is saying. Absolutely, um, and they're usually like very polar opposite it's like when something mm. really interesting political happens and then like monday nights during the bachelorette like two <laughs> right. very very different populations of people um but they give me an interesting glimpse on society um so i think yeah i, I maybe i need to sit down and do a reflection on how each of these platforms makes me feel well, some of it's all about self-regulation, and I use myself as a example all the time because I am not an expert of my own self-regulation sometimes, and we can even look at our use of our mobile 
usage from like screen time to Instagram tells you how long you've been on the platform. Um, so like that's another tool, but the moderating piece is again, just turn it on, pay attention. Don't have like shame about it and, and see if as like your own researcher of self, if you can start to connect some dots. And for me, I have a business where I'm on social. So I can't, I unfortunately can't just log off and never be on these, but I know certain ones I might jump on and off quicker just to get in and get out instead of getting sucked in. And and that can help me. Absolutely. I've, I've um, included screen times in my I now find that I do like the screen time through my phone. Like it'll log mm-hmm. in each day um, for certain types of apps and certain things. And then it'll just all of a sudden be like, you've hit your limit. And it's like, I lost all my tokens for the day. Like I don't get to play anymore. Um, <laughs> but I've also found that I get a weird sense of enjoyment when I get my weekly use usage report. And it's like, you used less screen time by 9% this week. And I was like, yeah, 9% improvement. <laughs> like that makes me feel better. But I, I think it's an interesting kind of movement. I was reading, you know, random research studies that have been put out that, you know, people may are actually using social media less and less um, Mm -hmm. or for less frequent quantities or things like that, Um, but they might use them, but they're not using them to the extent that they were previously. So I think there's kind of this growing movement of practicing um, logging off and and tuning back in, in in real life, which is also positive. So yeah. Well, I think that's a huge skill of a, a leader is intentionality and being really precious with our time because it is almost too easy just to open up the phone on the go um but it still takes takes us away from something so just really turning the volume up on your usage how you feel and then moving forward is well what is the enactment of my leadership that i want to to put out there um instead of just thinking about you know, like, oh, I know on Friday night, I'm going to look really good. I'm going to this event. Uh, and that's great to post that. And, you know, you you look and fly, whatever. But is there something more meaningful you could add to that, that someone scrolling through your feed needed right in that moment? So maybe mm-hmm. it's in the caption that you write. Um, maybe it's you, it's posting it. And on, I, there's just like, what is, why? Like other than if, if your intent is only to get followers and to get a response, then I doubt if this episode's even really resonating with you. But um, you could even look on my latest social media posts. Like I was really transparent and authentic about uh, something I was struggling with because I find the more that we just shine a little, if it's the celebrations or the struggles, it, it's going to attract other folks to you instead of um, just posting these perfect posts that honestly I think will alienate people more from you. Now, that doesn't mean that you like throw up everything on the table, <laughs> you know, like like still being quite reflective and refined in that process, um, but really having the intent that hoping whatever you're putting out there can really be felt by people and not just liked and responded to in, in like an algorithm sense. I think that's what brings me back to the platforms in hopes that they can be made for good. I think that they absolutely can be such a powerful agent um, for people to find connection and for people to find support. I'm a big fan of them. Um, But I have one last question for you, and it's a question that I ask every one of my guests. And what is your favorite thing about Generation Z? 
My favorite thing about Generation Z is I find in our, at least where it, where it feels like we're surging right now, that there is so much doom and gloom, um, negativity, concerns. I have, I have met countless uh, young people that still have this bright light that just radiates through their eyes and their soul that I just want to soak up. I just want to be around them because they make me feel like, well, A, things are not that bad. That B, that there is hope in in this next generation and that they want to problem solve. Um, and I just love that kind of that kind of energy that inspires me and that wants me to be of service to them that um, I, I want to hear the realness and not just assume. And that's, what's fueled my whole, my whole research is that I just want to give them a microphone instead of, you know, just slapping on these, these labels of what society thinks they are. But I think it's a light that I love. That's my favorite thing. Yes, I 100%. Um, I'm, I think, like Gen Z's biggest fan, or at least in the top 10, um, without, being, <laughs> <laughs> without being a member of the generation. I'm like their biggest fan girl. But um, kind of in relation to this whole concept around digital leadership, we were able to kind of, in our research, look at how they want to solve some of the world's problems. And I think there's kind of this connection that has grown as one of my favorite things is that they go about solving problems by learning about issues and then raising awareness about around them. And I think that the why they gravitate towards being able to solve problems that way, or at least engage with social issues that way, is solely because of the digital space in which they they have grown mm. up in. That if I think that they have these tools and they know that they can wield them in a very powerful way to solve some problems by raising awareness. A lot of them are, are still pretty young, but um, so they don't, they might not have the financial capital or the political capital or the social capital to um, really leverage some power towards these big issues, but they're doing wonderful things in terms of mobilizing and spreading awareness and kind of creating these grassroots movements and using the tools that they do have. So I think that's one of my favorite things about them, mm -hmm. kind of bridging our two favorite things together, if you will, of they are hopeful, um, but they're also really good at recognizing the problems that we're going to have to face as a society and educating people on them. So, Right. And, and I mean, they're working with limited resources, as you shared, but also limited education. I don't I don't find a lot of um, adults and educators really tackling this in the way that they're actually using the tools and giving them the credit they deserve. So, yeah, go Gen Z. Yeah, no, they're the best. Um, <laughs> no, they really, they really are. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, well, Josie, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing some of your expertise and insights on digital leadership. I know this is something that I have to continually kind of have a, a practicing moment and remind myself that everywhere we go, um, even in our online spaces, we have an opportunity to impact people um, and do so through leadership as long as we're having this element of a focus on it as well. So Thank you so much um, for being here and sharing your insights. You're welcome. My pleasure. A big thank you to Josie for stopping by and sharing her expertise on digital leadership. Her research highlights so many important areas and ways leaders can inspire and engage others in online settings, as well as in-person interactions. In many ways, practicing effective digital leadership is another step toward successfully engaging members of Generation Z online. 
But it's not just individual leaders that can apply these practices. Businesses and organizations have great opportunity to exhibit leadership in digital spaces to impact the hearts and minds of Gen Z. So thank you, Josie, for getting us fired up and ready to practice digital leadership and to lead with purpose and authenticity. I'm also personally, eternally thankful for Josie's presence in my life. Without her, I would not have started this podcast, and she continues to support me, build me up, and help me grow. And I want to thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you're ready to practice leadership in whatever digital spaces you hang out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. This will keep you in the know about upcoming episodes. Plus, your feedback helps me improve the show and helps other listeners find the show. The show is all about learning about Gen Z and sharing their stories. So if you have a topic you'd like for me to learn more about or know of a member of Generation Z that I need to connect with, head over to my website, meganmgrace.com. That's M-E-G-H-A-N-M-G-R-A-C-E.com and send me a note. Or we're going to hang out on social media. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again for hanging out. Let's continue this conversation and we'll chat soon. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.